This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch. With 11 restaurants to serve passengers, he's got dining for every destination. And it all started when Mac talked with First Horizon Bank about opening a franchise in the airport. Now it's open for business and cleared for takeoff. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Mac. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. It's time to talk Braves, Falcons, and college football with a Deep South college football legend. It's the Buck Baloo Show, exclusively on The Fan. Time for the Buck Baloo Show on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. As you know, we're streaming at 680thefan.com. Get that fan mobile app. Driven by Beaver Toyota of coming, listen anywhere, anytime. Heck, you can't listen to the show between 10 and 11. You can listen on the app anytime you get ready to. Beaver Toyota, Beaver Direct, the fastest and easiest way to shop online for your next vehicle. Visit BeaverToyotaofcoming.com and see what wow really means. 10 o'clock hour on the fan is brought to you by the Haug Baron Law Group, your champions. Of personal injury law. Check those folks out. Coming up in the final segment of today's show, got our Infinity of Gwinnett Drive, the content where you get to uh, take the wheel, decide what we talk about. 404-231-1680, the number presented by Infinity of Gwinnett. Empower the talk, empower the drive as we get started on this gorgeous Wednesday here in Metro Atlanta. Traffic is back, and we've got DT, our engineer, Adam Gillespie, no longer Road Dog, I'm told, is our executive producer. And we're uh, shuffling the deck a little bit as we get started today. The, the best plan you can have, and it uh, certainly applies to Sports Talk Radio, is to have plan B. But we're flexible. We can make it happen. We normally start the show with Buck's Big Take, and we continue to do that today. Buck's Big Take. This one is going to be epic. Cinderella TCU, 5-7 and seven last season. Hit the transfer portal big, and now the Horn Frogs are 13-1 and one and coming off a knockout of Big Bad Michigan. UGA, the defending champs, are four quarters away from running it back after surviving a scare against those Buckeyes. And how about this quarterback matchup? Heisman Trophy finalists Stetson Bennett and Max Dugan face off at the high-profile quarterback position And as you know, both dudes are poster childs for overcoming adversity. Search up Perseverance, and you'll find Dugan and Bennett at the top of the list. And let me just go ahead and say, both are skilled, talented, and tough. Ultra-competitive. And yes, they're game managers, leaders of young men. What a great example for young quarterbacks all over this great country. Is Stetson Bennett a punk? Absolutely not. He's the opposite of that tag. Go look in the mirror, pal. Stetson Bennett 
is one of the greatest football players in Georgia history. Mark it down, period. And there's your big take. You notice I didn't use the name of that guy that uh, called Stetson Bennett a punk. I think he's probably gotten enough publicity on that. No reason to throw his name out there again. Because it's the most ridiculous take that I've ever heard. What would make him a punk? Bennett, not not the guy that said it. Who I'm thinking is is probably uh, the P-U-N-K, if you ask me. DT, uh, am I right here? What do you think? I mean, who's the punk here? Is it Stetson Bennett or that other guy I, that said it? Yeah, given the choice between the two, I definitely would go with that other guy. I guess Stetson has kind of a quiet confidence that maybe that rubs people the wrong way. Is that what it is, I don't a know. quiet confidence? <laughs> I, but otherwise, I don't see how you could possibly label that young man as yeah, a punk. I just don't yeah. get it, man. Uh, I guess you're trying to get noticed. Yeah, I think you did exactly right. You didn't say his name because I think he, yeah, he wants, he, his name isn't said very often. And uh, he wants clicks. He wants uh, people to listen to his podcast or whatever. So. Yeah, my goodness. I'll tell you what, he's getting panned here in this part of the country. Well, it's a pretty ridiculous take, Buck. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it couldn't get any more ridiculous than that. All right, it's time for Chris Mortensen. The best NFL insider in the business is only on the fan. This is ESPN's NFL insider, Chris Mortensen. ESPN's Chris Mortensen, the 680 The Fan Truest on up NFL insider, joins us on the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Mort, great to have you on. And it, Mort, is it true? Did the NFL really want to resume play in five minutes? Oh, I can tell you, I was not at the game, is that we as a network are standing by what Joe Buck told the audience. Uh, and that was via John Perry, who's the, you know, the, the official, the retired official who provides us with all that data. And he's in constant communication with New York. Now, listen, there's a lot of chaos and different communications. And, but uh, certainly uh, John Perry has high credibility. Uh, he, he was he was informed based off what I was told that, hey, you know, they're, they're, they, they'll, they'll resume. Whether they would resume in five minutes, no, but you go ahead and get warmed up. And by the way, the reason that that brings true also is Joe Burrow was over there tossing footballs around on the side at that point. And so it's uh, whether it was direct, I don't think the league, because of the, obviously the situation that the league was discussing, well, get, get them ready to go, get them ready to go. Probably somebody said, yeah, you know, if this thing turns out, okay, maybe you ought to have them start warming up. I don't know. I wasn't there. But I know ESPN is standing by what it, what it uh, reported or said, and that's, all, that's the extent of what I know. Regardless of what Troy Vincent, who's the league's executive vice president of football operations, said on a midnight conference call that, on, what, on, that I was on, uh, I'll, I'll, John Perry was told that by somebody, and he's in contact with the officiating department in New York, uh, then I'll, I'll I'll believe that, but I don't think it's larger than the event itself, obviously. More take us behind the scenes in a situation similar to this, where there's got there's got to be decisions made immediately. What's going on behind the scenes? Is the commissioner standing by? Obviously, he's watching 
this game. It was the only game going on at the time. And you know, how does all how were these decisions made behind the scenes? Well, it's just not decisions. This points to the fact that, uh, and this was pointed out to me by by more than one executive and one even person outside the NFL that if you were a, a person, an individual who had a urgent life saving situation that needed the medical attention that outside of being in a level one trauma center at the time of your uh, dangerous encounter, the NFL playing field is the best place you could be to save your life. Uh, The league has extensive uh, emergency action plan. It's actually part of the CBA uh, with the NFL players association that is, uh, that is just, it's the model. It is the model globally for what you could do. But in the terms of the command center, yeah, yeah, Commissioner Goodell uh, is in, in touch with uh, Donna Ponte was was the league representative. She's a, she's a, a vice president. Uh, uh, she was at the game, so she is then communicating with everybody in New York, including Commissioner Goodell, who's also on the conference call with Demore Smith, the NFL Players Association executive director and everybody else who's involved in the critical decision-making, which ultimately falls on Goodell once it's it's outside the purview of what the medical personnel are doing with DeMar Hamlin, the Bills' safety, who obviously, uh, whose heart stopped and was undergoing cardiac arrest, uh, you know, revival by by the medical personnel. So it's just there's a lot of communication going on from that standpoint. Uh, there's not chaos other than the urgency of saving the young man's life. Yeah, the, the communication, a little bit frustrating. And look, I know it's a sensitive situation, but the fans at the game didn't look, look like they had any idea what, what was going on. Uh, Joe Buck, uh, uh, no information at all. Uh, just didn't seem like there was, uh, it was a little frustrating trying to, you know, figure out what exactly was happening there. More, what uh, what do you think happens to this Bengals-Bills game? Uh, I, I just don't think it gets played, and I don't think it should be played. Uh, I'm, I'm still wondering about the games this weekend. I know they announced yesterday that, the, as of now, the Week 18 schedule is going forward. And we're starting to get some uh, good news on Hamlin. But there's a lot of players, and not just the players who are on the Bills or the Bengals, who just mentally, emotionally are just not prepared to go out and play a game right now. And that can change as you go day by day. How much time? Yeah, they have to go through their, right now, their normal Wednesdays. There's nothing normal about this uh, except, you know, if they're receiving good news. There's very There's been a lot of discussion about what to do with this week, whether or not uh, they use that off week before the Super Bowl and push everything back uh, to make sure uh, – that Hamlin's going to survive this. Uh, and as far as the communication during the game and, and not knowing, listen, I think uh, Joe Buck and, and, and Troy Aikman and the fans in the stands who were on that side, who you know had somewhat of a glimpse, uh, they certainly saw the, 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 the urgent care of a defibrillator, uh, CPR, all those things going on. So it was clear from those people who could see that it was a life-saving uh, situation. And I don't know that, that J- 
Joe Buck was comfortable saying something that he wasn't really certain of. They they ultimately did say there was CPR that uh, Hamlin was undergoing or had undergone and oxygen and an airway, uh, you know, getting them getting them everything going. So yeah, I think I think being in that situation was a little uncomfortable for everybody, and I you could understand that. But as far as the games. Uh, you know, I think today will be a, a, a critical day. I do know for a fact the league does not want to get this wrong. Uh, yeah, no kidding. They don't want to get this wrong. And, and just, there's a lot of players in this league who just aren't ready to play football today. And as I, how I can speak or, or say yesterday, they weren't, they're just a lot of them aren't ready to play football. Moore, do you have any update on Hamlin and, and what the current situation is? Well, listen, the the family and the team both say he's still in critical condition. That was as of yesterday. We have an uncle who's speaking somewhat. Right. He says that, he says that these he, he, things are improving, that you know, whereas he needed 100% assistance with oxygen, the uncle said that uh, you know he, about 50% of it in terms of helping him with his breathing. Uh, but, you know, it's a... The, the, the parts we don't know, and, and by the way, this is not, well, let me just say, the parts we don't know is uh, when your heart is stopped, you know, how quickly did they get it resumed beating so the brain can get oxygen, the, the amount of oxygen. It's a very short window of time to accomplish that where you don't have any brain damage. And, uh, you know, I, I would like to say that I've heard some people talk about the dangers of football, but Buck, and maybe you've talked about it this week, but this is an injury. This is something that's a, it's a freak injury, and it happens more in other sports, even though it's rare. It's the, it's the, when you pick up the paper and read about the 10-year-old Little League pitcher who got hit in the chest with a line drive and he dropped dead. Right. You know, and, and it's just if, you're, if your chest is struck at a specific time during the, cardi- during the heartbeat, it just happens to be at the right, wrong time, really. Uh, when when it's struck, then cardiac arrest can happen. But it is rare. It's called uh, it's called commodious uh, cardus, uh, and and it's happened in soccer. It's happened in baseball. It, it just hasn't happened in a in a National Football League game. Mort, it just seems insensitive to ask you about anything else, but but the storyline we've got going on right now. Well. It is, but at the same time, behind the scenes, the, the things you're asking are, are being discussed. Uh, you know, like what to do, and then really even the seeding. Uh, you know, if you don't play the Bills-Bengals games, which I don't think they're going to play, uh, we'll see. Uh, then there's going to be they're going to be one less game, as you know. Monday night's game between the Bills and Bengals was vital to the overall AFC picture. Uh, both teams had a shot at the number one seed and the buy, the, the buy to start the playoffs, but that doesn't seem important. And how do you handle it? Well, it could be winning percentage. I know that's been discussed, and I don't think anybody's really going to complain, to be honest with you. Uh, but hopefully, we get more information at the end of the day and and good information. And we'll save everything else for next week. More. Thanks so much for the insight. We appreciate you more. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, but take care. Chris Mortensen, ESPN's NFL Insider, joined us on the Hobson & Hobson Newsmaker Line. We'll come back on the other side, talk a little college football with David Pollock.
joins us next on the Buck Baloo Show here on The Fan 680 and 93.7. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. the fans 680 and 93.7 and we've got the atlanta boat show coming up and we've got a four pack of tickets we want to give away right now 404-231-1680 the number covering everything on and under the waterline the atlanta boat show is georgia's longest running and biggest boating event live after a two-year break the show returns to the georgia world congress center January 12th through the 15th. Tickets are just 17 bucks when purchased in advance, and kids 12 and under are free. Go to the AtlantaBoatShow.com for times, tickets, and uh, all the other information you need. We've got a four-pack, and we'll give those away right now. 404-231-1680, the number. And let's go to the Hobson and Hobson Newsmaker line. Bring on... David Pollock, ESPN college football analyst, uh, so one of the stars of Game Day, a University of Georgia Hall of Famer. Uh, David, welcome to the show, man. We appreciate you. What impresses you about TCU? Uh, man, there's a lot. The, the, the turnaround from them from this is year one for Sonny Dykes, and, and I think offensively when you look at them, they're just you know, they got a quarterback that's going to get drafted in the NFL, a running back that's going to get drafted high in the NFL, and a wide receiver that will be the first wide receiver taken. So I think speed, skill, um, high-flying, that could score a bunch of points, that's probably what jumps off the most at them. Sonny Dykes uh, hit that transfer portal, and they flipped the script. What were they, 5-7 and seven a year ago? And, and look at them now, 13-1. and one. In the natty, this is new-age foot, college football I believe five starters on defense, four on offense, transfers. Sonny Dykes able to get it done out there. Yeah, he's done a great job. And, and listen, they've had their scares. They've had a bunch of close games. And I think, you know, you start to build momentum. And, and I heard Sonny talk about it. He was like, listen, he's like, I knew I had a special team when I get in the locker room at, at halftime of Oklahoma, halftime of Oklahoma State. After some of these close games, it was like they just they didn't get too high. They didn't get too low. And, and it starts with Duggan, their quarterback, Duggan. Um, he's an Iowa kid, just brought up on a farm, super tough. Um, you know, wasn't even the starter day one, still stayed, didn't even think about transferring, uh, became the starter after you know, the first guy struggles, Mordecai struggled against Colorado week one, and then he takes over. So it's just been a, a blue-collar team. Um, their defense is, is really interesting because – they blitz less than anybody in college football. They're number number like they're number one in least blitz teams. They just 
They play really physical with their front and their their secondary. They three play that three three five and they mix it up in the back end. They're a hard team to kind of figure out what they're doing, but it all starts with a a physical defensive line and stopping the running game. That's what's gotten them going against Texas and Michigan and really helped them develop into who they are. Duggan is is nothing short of awesome. That wide receiver, Johnston is a stud. You mentioned uh, they got a couple of running backs. One's dinged up, but the other certainly step up, stepped up in the semifinal. A lot of talk about them. But I tell you what, what stands out to me, David, is the offensive line. We're talking about a veteran group, an experienced group, what, three seniors, two juniors. I think balance is what they're in search of against Georgia. How about that offensive line? Really good, really big, really physical. Um, you know, they average over 315 on the offensive line. A guy, uh, uh, well over 100 starts up front. So a bunch of upperclassmen who have seen all the things um, and understand football really, really well. They do a good job of uh, with balance. You know, the Miller, their running back, that turd is so good. I mean, just physical, squats a house, deadlifts a house, breaks tackles, can catch it, can beat you with speed, can run you over. Uh, but but I think it does start with that offensive line and their protection, and then the system that you know they spread you. They they you just think similar to Tennessee. They they take every blade of grass. They spread you sideline to sideline. They want to run quick with up tempo, but you know they got to be able to protect, and they have with Max Duggan. And again, Duggan at the quarterback spot, he's also a great runner. And we just struggled with C.J. Stroud running the football. We didn't know C.J. could do that. Never seen him do it before. Kirby and company will know that. Duggan can really, really run, and he's a dual-threat guy. So this is a complete offense at every level. That uh, front seven did a good job against that Michigan run game, and uh, you mentioned Texas, too, shut down their run game. What's this Georgia offensive line looking at? I know Horton, what do you have, four sacks against Michigan? Uh, that, that front yep. seven looked like they were playing tough. Yeah, and again, because of what they run, it's very unique. It's very different. It's, it's, it's a true three-three-five. You know, they have three defensive linemen that are just going to try to eat up double teams the whole time and run back and linebackers that are going to are going to try to run through and make plays and get TFLs. But uh, just really, really good. And then you got, uh, you know, um, Hodges Tomlinson, you know, the Lenny Tomlinson's son that's, that's going to be out wide that run the Thorpe as a really good corner, a smaller corner, but uh, just a, a physical group. Um, got more physical throughout the season, by the way. I didn't think they were great early in the season. I thought they were by far the biggest weakness, but you can tell. They got three guys with five-plus sacks, um, and again, that's getting home without blitzing. So it'll be tough because you've seen Georgia with uh, Mississippi State struggle to run the football against that that type of a defense. And uh, so that creating the confusion and, and pulling the quarterback and uh, you know stopping the physical ground game obviously will be really important for them. Hey, Stetson Bennett, uh, this Ohio State game was just phenomenal. Stetson uh, played great in spurts, had a little bit of a a period there where it didn't go so well, but so impressed with his ability when the game's on the line to play his best football. It's stupid, man. I mean, it's it's really silly. And, and, you know, the fourth quarter alone, he was 10 of 12, I think, for 193 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, just in the biggest game last year against Alabama in the fourth quarter, we needed scores, you know, multiple scoring touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. He just, he's got an unbelievable ability. I, I, Buck, I think it has a lot to do with who he is and who he, how he's been brought up and being a walk on and nobody wanting him and coming back and nobody wanting him. But I think he just, I think he's just letting it rip and let the chips fall where they are. He's not trying to be something he's not, but they love him. 
He's got the dual threat ability, but he's, he's a gamer. He got hit a bunch, didn't play great in the third quarter, really, really struggled. And then all of a sudden, he can do it. He can flip that switch and get hot. And how about Arian Smith, Buck? Like, this is a guy that a ton of hype last year before he got on campus, you know, in his freshman year, up and down hurt. Uh, this, this year hasn't really done much. Again, been banged up a little bit. But I think he had three catches for 129 and none bigger than that you know, deep ball for the touchdown and to start the fourth quarter with like eight minutes left when you're down multiple scores to get a quick strike like that was huge. So you're seeing a lot of different people. Mims, Amarius Mims step up at, you know, he had to play right tackle the whole game. Um, so you're seeing a bunch of different guys step up in a bunch of different spots. Yeah, Oscar Delp stepped in there for Washington yeah. and, and did a nice job. My concern coming into the matchup was Ohio State was going to score. And Georgia, the, the one area that, that I've been concerned about is that wide receiver group and to get Ad Mitchell and Arian Smith back in there, guys that have been dinged up all season long, really completed this offense and was yeah. uh, enabled them to put those 42 on the board. Thrilled to see Mitchell and Smith get in there and make some plays. Yeah, and Adrian Mitchell's their best guy, and it's not close. And, and he missed that basically the whole season. You know, played the first two games, and then he's out and comes back late. So he's huge. He's the best route runner, the most, you know, the most uh, polished guy by far. And then uh, Aaron Smith, and then McConkey's been banged up too. I mean, they, they've been they've been banged up like crazy, and they fought. But you know, this week will be another challenge because because TCU the same thing. They'll they're okay putting guys on an island. They're okay playing. You know, they do a really good job matching up in coverage and play zone when they want to and uh, the pass rush. So this will be another tremendous challenge, whether you have Washington or not. Delp did do a good job, but I don't suspect wait or buck that we'll have to wait to the third quarter to see Brock Bowers this time. Like, I think you got to do a better job of featuring that guy early and often. McIntosh got to feature him in the pass game like you did early in the game. Um, so even if it's not the traditional wide receivers, there's still other guys that can beat you in a multitude of ways, and Bowers and McIntosh especially. Hey, remind me your thoughts on Georgia coming into the year. You you nailed that prediction last season. They got a chance to run it back here. Does this surprise yeah, I, you at all? I completely screwed this preseason prediction up. So <laughs> last year I might have hit it, but this year I, I didn't think they'd make the playoff. I mean, I just how do you lose 15 guys to the draft and five first round picks on the defense and come back and play great defense? I just, I thought we'd have a great offense, but I thought we would really struggle on the defensive side of the football, but it wasn't the case. Now, listen, the last two weeks we've struggled like crazy and got to find a way to get the mojo back and the pass defense has to play better. And Lassiter, you know, is going to be asked a lot opposite Ringo and the pass rush, you know, now, down even more starters without Nolan Smith, without Shambliss and some of those guys, Michael Williams and, you know, Jalen Carter and Beal. These guys are going to have to find a way to generate a pass rush and get pressure on Duggan. But they've been uh, – it's been an unbelievable surprise um, replacing all those guys so quickly and to be so dominant. And, by the way, I mean, shoot, Buck, you talk about winning this one next year, they're going to be really good again. I mean, most of these guys are coming back and – um, it's kind of fun to be a Georgia fan right now. Yeah, and that schedule looks pretty manageable looking ahead to next year, too. We'll save that for another time. But, hey, great job previewing the semifinal matchups, especially that TCU-Michigan game. I know you've been working overtime. We appreciate you taking time for us, David. No problem. Thanks, bud. David Pollock, ESPN College Football Analyst, one of those stars on game day, hanging out with us here on the Buck Belusha. Great to have DP in here.
And while we're on college football, hey, let's let's keep uh, keep talking college football with a little uh, top five man. I'm ready. The best in college football and the NFL. Five, five, four, four, three, three, two, two, one. Top 5, presented by your locally owned and operated Ace Hardware. Find your neighborhood store at acehardware.com. All right, Buck, we'll start in the top five. We'll start in college football. Most of college football here for your top five. I understand, Buck. Fill us in. A bad day for the Alabama Crimson Tide yesterday? For Alabama. What's wrong out there in Tuscaloosa? Well, they lost their four best players. Ooh. Well, I know a couple of those guys are going to the draft, right? Well, four of them. Oh, wow. No, all four is. They, they're going to reload, though. You can uh, you can bet on that. They have recruited as well as Georgia has over the uh, period that where they're at right now over the last three, four seasons, four players hitting the NFL draft. Going to have a new quarterback, a quarterback competition. In fact, that's getting underway right now. Jalen Milrow. We saw a little bit of him this past season already talking about how he's going to win over the team. And here's how he's, he says he's going to do it. He's going to focus on getting better each day. He's going to continuously collaborate with the team. He's going to help find this new team's identity. And he's going to try to win the locker room over. That's what Milrose talking about. Sound like some... Good steps on the yeah, right direction. pretty deep. Yeah. So Bryce Young, Will Anderson Jr., Jameer Gibbs, Brian Branch. They're all gone, as gone. Nick Saban would say. But they're going to reload. Don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry too much about Alabama, right? And uh, we saw some some positive things from Milrow, right? We'll see. We'll see how they yeah. uh, fix the quarterback position. But they've been they've been spoiled by some really good quarterbacks for a long time now. Well, I tell you what, if Milrow's the we'll quarterback, see. they're going to have to adjust that play calling. Yeah, it won't be. They're not going to be, be a pass out. first. Yeah, offense any longer. Yeah, we'll see how how they adjust in Tuscaloosa. All right, Buck. U.S. Uh, after the embarrassing loss, USC to Tulane cost me my bowl pick. Um, that, that I saw just one of the most statistically improbable comebacks we've ever seen in a bowl. Tulane upsetting USC. Buck, does Lincoln Riley need to make some make some moves on the staff? How does he how does he fix this? Well, a lot of talk about Lincoln Riley firing his defensive coordinator. Speaking of Alex gone. Grinch is his name. You don't want the Grinch on your staff, do you? Dreadful performance against Tulane. You're giving up 44 points. Hey, Tulane averaged in that game. 10 yards uh, per play. Yeah, were you able to watch some of that, Buck? Some of they were just yeah. running right down the field on I mean, the trenches. I mean, you could help be lured in there in the fourth quarter yeah. watching the game go down. They gave up 10 yards of play. DT, you could have been the defensive coordinator and done a better job than Alex Grinch did. And they might want to. Let me recommend that USC and Lincoln Riley hit that transfer portal for defensive players. They've got to get that shored up. I know they're going to score points, especially with that quarterback they got. But and it doesn't take a genius to figure out that you got to get some defensive players in there. Well, they should be able to. They've been recruiting at a higher level. So. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a trend. <laughs> I over said there. they should be able to. You yeah. would think with all the with the Riley the had the same problem at Oklahoma. Yeah, that's that's fair. And I wonder how much of that is you know part of the. The offensive style weighs on the on the defensive side of the ball. All right, Buck. 
Well, we talked about a bunch of different programs. Give us a college football program that you think it's on its way to the top, maybe on the rise, buying low on a stock. They're headed up. Well, dude, it's got to be Tennessee. Okay. Got to be Tennessee. Talking about well, a team, a program, on the move up. Did you see the uh, the TV ratings on the Orange Bowl game? I didn't actually, but yeah, yeah I seem pretty high. 8.6 million viewers tuning in, and you know what they were tuning in to see? is to see this Tennessee offense, Josh Heupel, and the scheme they're running at Tennessee. People are are attracted to uh, offensively what they're doing at Tennessee. And I bet recruits are, too. They got that huge NIL deal thing going on in Knoxville. Man, this is going to be a top-10 team again in 2023. A program on the rise. Man, it's got to be the Tennessee Volunteers. All right, Buck, buying in for the folks up in Knoxville. Hi, right, Buck. Well... We've seen the SEC bowl record. Speaking of that last game, what, any, any comment on the SEC's record in the bowls this season? Well, it went six and five. Not bad. Six and five. My comment would be, look at the top of the SEC, 4-0. Georgia wins. LSU dismantles that Big Ten team. Alabama wins. In fact, Alabama took down the Big 12 champ. And then Tennessee took down the ACC champion. So I would say my comment, top of the SEC, 4-0 in the bowl game. I still remember even when I was younger, I always noticed that, yeah, we're getting matched up. You know, SEC is playing, pardon, the Big Ten or the Big 12, the ACC. But it's like the SEC number seven is playing the Big Ten number four. And the SEC number six is playing the ACC number three. And we still managed to get a winning record out of that. Yeah, you hear a lot about this. I. You know, I felt compelled to go track it a little bit during the bowl. Yeah. Well, yeah, there were some teams that, that let us down. All right, Buck, closing out top five. That's what it says here, Buck. Are the dogs now the most popular team in all of college football? I guess would that be overtaking, what, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State? Well, when you look at the viewership going on when Georgia plays in these big games, Georgia, Ohio State, 22.1 million viewers for that game. That was the top watch game of the college football season. As it should have been. That's not a surprise. Huh? Now, the Georgia-Alabama National Championship game last season drew in 22.6 million viewers for the Natty a year ago. In fact, Georgia this season in, in 2022, they've played three of the top six viewed games in college football. So the answer to that question is yes, my friend. Yes. Dogs. Most popular team in college football. That's your top five. There you go. Top five on 680 The Fan. Atlanta's sports station. Yeah, man. And that's that. Testing me in the new year as school gets back in. We know you better better pack a lunch when you come to the Buck Blue Show Top 5. Buck. Yeah, I saw the teachers back at the school today, and at least in our neck of the woods, the kids will be showing back up at high school tomorrow. That's the worst. Here we go again. After you get the winter vacation, you got to get back in. Yeah, people uh, in the family sleeping in. Yeah, are you are you the are you the I'm the early, early one riser? getting up. <laughs> I got to, you know, quietly get the dog fed and out. Allow him to come back in and got to be real quiet as I'm moving around here. Back to life tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for it. I guess uh, don't have a choice, right? Well, are you ready for a Bulldog roundtable? Uh, let's roll. 
Fan is proud to be the official sports talk station of the dogs. And it's time for Bulldog Roundtable with Buck Baloo. 25, 20, far sideline, 15, 10, 5, get in there, touchdown! Bulldog Roundtable is proudly presented by Georgia's own credit union, Haug Law Group, T-Mobile, and by attorney Ken Nugent. And that's going to be the ball game. Georgia will win this ball game. Only on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. the top of the show and Buck's big take I spoke about the two quarterbacks in this national championship game matchup so impressive what Max Duggan and Stetson Bennett have done for their programs the way they've performed it has just been amazing and we're going to get an elite quarterback matchup in this national championship game you look at the total QBR stat Advanced analytics say that Stetson Bennett, number six in all of college football and total QBR, getting the job done. Where's Duggan? Number 14. So two top 15 quarterbacks in college football going at it in this one. Two Heisman finalists performing at a high level. Let's hear from Kirby Smart talking about Duggan. There's no defense he's going to see that he hasn't seen before. You know, you're not tricking an experienced quarterback. It's very similar with Stetson. You got to you, you you got to do it better than they do it. You got to out execute them. There's no tricking them. Um, and he does a tremendous job of that. He, he, they have a system to to uh, allow him to manage that and, and to get back to, to uh, third downs where you got a shot to convert them. Yeah, Duggan is really awesome running with the ball in the red zone. That will be something this Georgia defense is going to have to deal with when these uh, Horned Frogs get down into the red zone, is the quarterback running tough. And he's only about 215, maybe 220. He's running like he's 250 pounds up in there. Let's hear from Stetson talking about Max. He's an A-plus dude. Um, you know, his work, he works hard. Um, you know, all, all those things. Uh, but I think, you know, he's the, he's the heart and soul of that team. I didn't really watch him play. Um, but I've watched his interviews and I've watched – just how he carried himself up in New York, and, you know, he's a leader, um, you know, and um, there's something to be said for both his story and my story um, and the fact that we're here at the end. Tough is what these two guys are, able to persevere when people are doubting them. Really impressive. Let's hear from Kirby today. He's been really hard on Stetson Bennett. Uh, out uh, out front with the media about whether he's playing well or not playing so well. Uh, Stetson's tough to be able to handle that. Here's Kirby talking about Stetson being cool in the fourth quarter. He doesn't think of the moment any different uh, than, you know, the first quarter from the fourth quarter. He doesn't feel that. He he is a processor. He is a deep thinker. He just goes through the process of what he's going to do and doesn't let it, let it affect him. He's never real, real high. He's never real, real low, um, which I think is a great trait for a quarterback. And um, I think that helps him in the fourth quarter to be able to go execute. He has a lot of confidence. Um, I think his coaching staff does a great job preparing him um, to be in those moments. All right, the showdown national title game coming up in L.A. on Monday night, a 7.30 kickoff. They've moved that up an hour to try to capitalize on the ratings. A little bit bigger number, more people tuned in, they're thinking, with the 7.30 kickoff. One other note about Georgia Athletics. we got the Georgia men's basketball team off to a 10-3 start. They take on number 22 Auburn, SEC opener for the Dogs. 
630 uh, tip-off going on in Athens. That's tonight. Right, uh, Road Dog over in Athens? Uh, yeah, tonight, Georgia and Auburn running the floor in uh, college basketball. If you get a chance, go out there and cheer on the Bulldogs as they take on the number 22-ranked Auburn Tigers. We'll come back and have our Infinity of Gwinnett Drive, the content segment. I uh, wonder what the people want us to talk about now. We'll have it next. Buck Blue Show here on The Fan, 680 and 93.7. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation. Like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Let me get the music learning. It's the Buck Baloo Show on the fan, 680 and 93.7. Great having Chris Mortensen on on a day like today with all this going on in the National Football League. Got another nugget from Mort I'll give you in just a moment. David Pollock coming on. Great to have him on. He's working the scene on game day. And I appreciate his insight into the National Championship game. Also, I love an infinity of Gwinnett. I've been with them for over 15 years now, and they're driving the content on Wednesdays in our final segment of the show. And guess what the people want to talk about? Want me to talk about? The Falcons. The Dirty Birds are in our blood. And guys like Buck know what's happening in the huddle. Let's dive into Falcons football on the fan. Falcons a four-and-a-half-point favorite over the Buccaneers on Sunday. I kid you not. Kid you not. Buccaneers going to the playoffs. Falcons, uh, we're suffering through our fifth consecutive losing season. Buccaneers are locked into the four seed, so it doesn't really matter whether they win or lose against the Falcons on Sunday. Their coach, Todd Bowles, his plan is to play the starters, including Tom Brady, who always wants to play in these situations. He's been in the playoffs a ton. He doesn't want to sit out. He wa- Dude wants to play football. Does it maybe sound like uh, preseason week two where the coach says, yeah, we're going to play our starters for yeah, two, I think, two series? Yeah, exactly. He's probably going to pull them early in the game, and that's what that gambling line is all about. In fact, there's some Falcons fans wondering why we're trying to win the game. Hurt that draft slot. And get ready to try to cover Mike Evans. My goodness, he's now got an NFL record nine consecutive thousand-yard seasons getting his career started. Are you wondering overall 
Who has the record? Where? Come on, man. It's Jerry Rice. He's got 11 consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Jerry Rice. How good was he, man? Mike Evans is doing his thing. A.J. Terrell, get ready to cover Mike Evans in this matchup. For a little bit, anyway. Maybe a quarter and a half. Two quarters, maybe. Fifth straight losing season. Mm. And we've lost five in a row to the Bucks. Falcons and Bucks coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. And that gets us to the final word. And some positive news. Mort uh, texted me after he came on moments ago. And Mort says, Buck, you can spin more positively now about the games being played this weekend. Teams, including the Bills, are proceeding today as if they're going to be playing this weekend. Meetings and walkthroughs going on. NFL fans, uh, go ahead and get ready. See these teams take the field this weekend. All right, uh, enjoyed the show today. Hump Day Wednesday was fun with Mort and Pollock diving into the national championship game. We're going to do some more of that coming up tomorrow. As a matter of fact, Aaron Murray will join me tomorrow at 1030 on the Buck Blue Show as we break down Georgia and TCU. It's going to do it for the show today. Appreciate you hanging out. Nick and Chris coming up next here on The Fan. Thank you, Buck. Where's Nerny? Okay, thanks a lot, Buck. Tonight in Arkansas, there's a mother tucking in her daughter and turning off the light. A business owner is burning the midnight oil. An at-home dinner date is plating up possibility. And it's all happening under one roof. How? The power of a conversation, like the one John from Integrity Solutions had with First Horizon Bank about his vision for a sustainable mixed-use building. Now it's not just words, it's life. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash John. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Marketing is everywhere. From the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone, we are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. 